Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the second of the Olympic debriefs brought to you by British Rowing and Junior Rowing News. My name is Fergus Mainland, host of the End of the Island podcast. And for this morning's edition, I'm delighted to be joined by two-time Olympic gold medalist Heather Stanning, Olympic gold medalist Mark Hunter and rowing blogger Daniel Spring. And over the next 15, 20 minutes, we'll be bringing you all the action from the Sea Forest Waterway in Tokyo that has happened overnight. We've had reps, we've had heats, we've had all sorts of action and we're going to dissect all of it just now. But before we dive into some of the action from the British crews, uh, just a few things to go through. And Mark, probably the first thing of interest to note is one of the Dutch scholars withdrawing from the men's single skull due to medical reasons. What sort of impact is this going to have on the wider Dutch team, do you think? Yeah, it was the first case I think we've had at the Games, especially in rowing, that uh, athletes had to withdraw from their event. Um, and it's not just that, that individual, it's obviously the implications of what per people that athletes come into contact with. Obviously, the Dutch are doing extremely well so far. Their boats seem to be making it directly through to semifinals or finals. Um, and it'd just be interesting over the next 24 hours to see what progresses with that, with what who that athlete came into contact with. So it's just something to watch. And I'm sure we'll be getting a few more incidents of that taking place over the coming weeks. And Heather, one of the probably notable races that we had in the repechage was probably the women's double skulls, seeing China getting knocked out or out of contention for for semi-finals. How much of a how much of a shock do you think that was for for everyone watching on? Yeah, I think um, everyone expected them to progress through and. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's the Olympics, so un- unknown things happen and or unexpected things happen. So I think it'll be a bit of a shock to them, but um, they've still got a lot of people competing. It's not like they were hanging their hopes on that one boat. So, um, but yeah, I'm sure Paul Thompson probably wasn't wanting them to go out. <laughs> no, certainly not. And and Dan, from the, the men's single skull side of things, two names that might be of interest to uh, viewers in the UK are Dara Alizadea from Cambridge University racing for Bermuda and Quentin Antignelli who raced for Oxford Brooks at Bucks Regatta earlier on in the year racing for Monaco. Both of them safely through into the quarterfinals. Yeah, it's great to hear. Great to see. Um, obviously, you know, they're, they're quite well-known names uh, in the UK uh, and they were both racing at the, uh, at the Bucks Regatta uh, only a few weeks ago. Uh, and did did reasonably well there. So yeah, it's great to see that even though Great Britain doesn't actually have a representative in the, the single skulls uh, at Tokyo, that uh, there are a number of athletes, uh, Quentin and, and Dara being two of them, who are pretty much you know honorary Brits because they they, they live and row and. So now what we'll do is we'll dive straight into all the action of the British crews. And first up, Heather, we'll talk. We'll talk all things women's pair, the Olympic debut of the combination of Helen Glover and Polly Swan. And just before we talk about the actual racing, how much have you been in touch with, with Heather in the lead up to the Games or, or just after their race as well? Yeah, I mean, me and Helen talk quite a lot. Um, recently, it's probably been less rowing and more children, but um, that's where we are in life. But um, no, I think they went to the Games. I mean, they've, they've said it openly. They just they didn't really know what to expect. They, they've only raced in the European nations, so... Um, there were just loads of data on people they didn't have. I think they've now got that data, which will be really important. Um, and for, for them, it was just going out and just getting a race done, getting that under their belts, and then now setting themselves up for, for the semi-final and the final. Um, OK, it may not have been the performance they necessarily wanted, but um, let's not get hung up on where they were. They're through to the semi-final. Um, the, the race that actually matters is the final. 
Yeah, Mike, that's a, that's a good point there that Heather makes. They were obviously third. We've got the data. They are they were slower than the Australians in their heat. But as, as Heather said, job done into into semi-finals. Yeah, I, I agree with job done. But it was it was a manner the performance was done. Uh, watching it, the Aussies obviously doing two events. They weren't full foot full um, foot to the floor. So, and the Brits were uh, sprinting at the end. So I think that's quite interesting. And I think also the dynamic of the combination, obviously, they haven't raced much. They have raced before, obviously, they've been world champions. But um, I think it's a bit of a shell shock. I, I do actually think they would have thought of being, being a bit closer to the Aussies. Um, but obviously, this is when, you know, kind of Olympic champions step up. And that review phase and debrief is going to be so important going into that semi-final because, because they came third. That semi-final narrow is going to be much tougher than what it would have been, potentially, if they come second or first. So... It'd be interesting to see how the draw revolves and whether it goes to play on their side or it goes against them as they move into the semi-final. I think discussing about the lanes, Dan, is quite an interesting thing because obviously we've just had the the H races brought forward to, to earlier on this morning due to poor weather conditions that are supposedly inbound. But on the flip side, we've had scholars like Sferi Nielsen from yesterday saying the conditions are actually they were fine for him. So... We've had a lot of talk, a lot of discussion about conditions in Tokyo. How important are they going to be in the in the days to come in, in semi-finals and finals? I think it's going to be critical, and and it's going to be even more important. I think performances in in the heats, in semi-finals, in quarterfinals, if if they're in, to make sure that you're getting the best lane, so that if there is a situation where the the FISA Fairness Commission have to step in and look at redrawing lanes that you're in the best position to get the best lane you can. Um, it's not just about, okay, we've done enough to get through to the next round. You know, with, with these conditions, you're really going to have to put strong performances at every race so that you're always in the best position at the next, for the next uh, heat, the next part of your racing. Because you know, we've seen that what you know, it looks as like the wind very often is either a direct tail or a direct head, which in theory is, is fair. I think just the pure strength of the wind that they're forecasting for the next few days, you know, gusting up to 30 miles an hour um, is going to make, make it very, very challenging. So, yeah, you re- really want to make sure that you're putting your boat in the best possible position you can be in. So, Mark, that's Helen and Polly safely through to the semi-finals. Also into the semi-finals are the lightweight women's double skull combination. Second in their heat behind Romania, France and the Netherlands also winning their respective heats as well. And, of course, Netherlands still looking hot after setting that world record earlier on in the season. Yeah, definitely. Look at Watching the race in this morning, the Dutch are definitely probably the most technical crew in the whole regatta. They're a phenomenal combination. Obviously, they set the world record a couple of weeks ago. Um, the Brits in their particular race, they were in a really good position. That I don't think they actually looked out and just kept tabs of the Romanians, and the Romanians slipped through in the last couple hundred metres, but it was a solid performance, and they've moved on to the semi-final. So... You know, a really strong performance there and, you know, looking forward to them progressing onto the final with some of the great racing and performances they've done throughout the season so far. And I think Heather, despite placing second, they were second in, in, the, in the quickest heat of of the lightweight women's double skulls. And, and as we know with, with lightweight racing, it's just so tight, it's so competitive. So actually a second place in that heat is it's a really it's a strong performance from them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you look at the kind of the times across other events as well this morning, and their probably percentage time was greater than some of the other races. So it's certainly a 
it's a feisty competition they've got and for them to be second and like Mark said it almost looked like they didn't really notice the Romanians in the far lane and so I think they've definitely got another gear to go and um, actually kind of watching them this morning reminded me a little bit of um, Hoskins and Copeland and kind of just being slightly understated and um, there's some feistiness in there and when that comes out I think that's going to be great to see. Well, Mark, then we'll certainly be hoping to see some of that that golden action repeated then from uh, from nine years ago. Yeah, it's been a, when you say nine years, you make me feel really old. So thanks for that, Fergus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's all of a sudden you realise, wow, yeah, it was it was quite. I don't want to say some time ago to sort of add to it, but yeah, nine years ago, London Olympics, but it's. It's so good that people are still talking about London and still referring to it as one of the as, as the greatest performance and one of the greatest Olympics that uh, that many of us can remember. So what we'll do now is we'll head on to our two fours, our men's four and our women's four. And Dan, let's let's start with the good news. Let's start with the with the men's four. Fastest time out of the two uh, heats, quicker than the old rivals, Australia. So, a very good job done there from the, the men's quartet. Yeah, I mean, it, fantastic performance. I mean, I think they're always heading into to Tokyo. They were always going to be one of uh, the favourites for the best performance from the British team. Uh, I think it wasn't just um, the fact they won. I think the, the way they rode would just look absolutely superb. I mean, you can, I mean, Heather will probably know more about it than I do, but you can see the hand of Robin. Uh, Robin Williams in that crew and the way he's just developed them technically. They were they were a really good crew in 2019, you know, bronze medalist. But since then, they've really stepped on and they're rowing so well. Um, but yeah, yeah, bring on the Aussies. Yeah, it, it, it's on the Olympic regatta. Yeah. And and Heather, I think um, actually watching the watching the three part documentary uh, that that came out in the lead up to. The games. I think what was fascinating from this men's four is that even though they're not the top priority boat on the men's side, they go into every single race and every single event that they take on, they've got that top boat mentality. And how important is that for them to have to, to, to boost their confidence going going from race to race? Yeah, it's massively important because it's it's the psychological battle. If you can win that, you, you're putting yourself in the best possible position to perform at your best. So it was really interesting listening to that documentary and, and hearing Matt kind of talk about Robin and say kind of how much they trust him. That's exactly what me and Helen did. Like he, he is probably the best coach in the world. Just, just do as he says and you'll be fine. Um, and but the way he kind of gets you to do things, and um, I think he's he's doing it with the four. Is he, he poses questions. He he asks questions of you of the athlete, so you find the answers. Um, and it's just a really clever way of coaching, I think. Um, and you're just seeing it with the, that four, they're growing every time they race. Um, and it's really exciting to see. And Mark, just finally on the, on the men's four, obviously we've, we've won the gold medal in the, in the Coxless four since Sydney, since 2000. And each of those Olympics, the four has been the, 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 the top boat, but in this case it isn't. Now, obviously it's, it's not the top priority boat, but they'll still be wanting to continue that legacy that's been going on for for two decades now yeah it's definitely you know people talk about blue ribbon events and i think that is our standout one because we have so much history in it so um yeah and obviously it's a new quartet none of them have been to the olympics before you know there's no returning person from the four which we've always previously had so you know they are kind of going in blind if you want to call it that and i think when you have an experienced coach like robin that's when it can really assist you when it's all new to you 
Um, I thought they raced really well today. I would say I just want them to stay in their boat. There was a lot of looking at in the last 100 metres. It looked a bit ragged, to be honest. And I just think if they do their thing, I think they'll be fine. But um, looking to the big showdown with them, the Aussies, I think it's going to be a cracking race. Yeah, it certainly is. So that was that was the better of the two results from the from the Coxless Fours. Heather, we'll move on to the one that wasn't so good from the from the women, or the one that the one that there's a lot of improvement that we can we can see from it. They were fourth in their heat behind the Netherlands, China, and Canada, eight seconds off Netherlands. So certainly, big a big step on to come in in the repechage. Yeah, they just didn't quite look what they need to be. Um kind of seeing them off the start, I think China had taken three strokes by the time they were onto their second. So straight away, they're, they're behind the curve. And I think they just never quite, it wasn't necessarily the start they needed um, and never quite got into the race. Um, and they just didn't quite look like they'd stepped, like they had another gear to go, I think. Um, and, and they need to have another gear to go if they're going to get themselves into that final. So the fours is looking really hot. There's some, um, yeah, that Dutch crew were looking really great. And it's it's really fantastic to see kind of all the nations throwing kind of, the top women into those boats because um yeah the fours is an event i'd have loved to have raced and <laughs> it's great to see that the nations are taking it on and, and really prioritizing it so it's, it's exciting um but yeah our girls need to, to step on i think um but they know that they, they don't need to be told that by us um they'll, they'll have that in their heads and dan two wins from two from from the australians who are doubling up obviously they won their pair seat and now they've gone and won the second heat of the women's four ahead of Ireland and Romania. It's a, it's a really strong performance from the Aussies who we know, well, we're now starting to re- reveal quite a lot about them and it turns out they're quite fast at uh, this year's Olympics. Yeah, uh, and yeah, the Australian women's four were always, I think, probably the favourites for the event. Um, you know, they dominated the, the women's four for the past few years. So, so that, that side of it wasn't too much of a surprise. But the, the fact that you know, half of the crew raced in the pair only a couple of hours beforehand as well and dominated. Um, yeah, so that's that's a really good looking crew. And again, you know, I, I certainly would be picking them to get two medals uh, in both you know, in both those events, but probably favourites in the four with another. Yeah, absolutely. So now what we'll do, we'll turn our attention to the eight races, which, as we said, were rescheduled due to bad weather, bad weather that is supposedly incoming. I've heard rumours that it's a, it's a typhoon warning that's coming towards Tokyo. So it's uh, exciting times to be to be out there in Japan. We'll start with the we'll start with the women's eight, Mark, and another race on the women's side of things that needed to have a better start for its Olympic regatta. Yeah, it was, it was always going to be challenging for this crew coming in because they didn't really have much form over the season or the races have been able to do. It's a, it's, a younger, it's a young group of athletes. It's their first Olympic Games. I know they've had a few coach changes behind the scenes. So um, it, was, it felt like they're really up against it. And obviously in that particular event where there's only one through and you've got some really big guns fighting out there, I think it was a, a real challenging race, but ho- hopefully they can take something from it and move on for the, the next round of the repertoire. Yeah, fingers crossed. And and Heather, obviously, we saw the Chinese explode onto the scene at the, the final Olympic qualification regatta, and it looks like they're still pretty red hot at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I think anyone who goes through that final qualifying regatta, like, 
they are on form for this this season and um, getting through that well like they did. Um, I suppose the only question is, can, can they hang out? Everyone else will build through the regatta. They've already had some fifty racing. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see them um, as, as they progress through the regatta. And um, but yeah, it's exciting. I mean, yeah, there's traits of Tomo in there. Um, and that, that's, that's great to see. And Dan, obviously, no surprise to see uh, the United States of America winning Heat 2. Yeah, I mean, talk about domination of an event. Um, with the US, the US women, it doesn't seem to matter what boat they put together, which eight athletes or nine athletes they put in that boat, they are always fast. Uh, and even though there's, there's some quite new athletes in that boat, yeah, you don't get into a US women's eight without being extremely, extremely fast. So our final event that we will dive into is the men's eight. Another race, Mark, that we were hoping was going to go another way after results we've had this season. We've had some very promising results from Great Britain. But this time round, they were beaten by the Netherlands. They were beaten by New Zealand. And they just looked a bit short and not quite the usual standard we've seen um, over the past uh, few months or so. Yeah, and it, it could be for a number of reasons. Obviously, you know, there's been six or seven weeks to the last event. And also the expectation has gone up now. You know, they were kind of trying to find their way during the season and get back on terms. Obviously, they kept bronze in 2019. But now there was that external pressure, I think, they probably put on themselves because they are the top eight in the world at the moment came in and it, it just looked a bit short stabby not in their kind of real rhythm so you know they'll have time to reflect on that and they're going to have to reflect very quickly because this rep's going to come around very quickly um, they definitely have the caliber to do it but it's whether they can step up as a unit now and really put themselves at the forefront going into that river charge and and heather obviously on the other side we had germany the last time we saw germany didn't look like the usual german unit that we would expect to see uh, but this time they're back. They've beaten the United States, and they're they were on top in um, in the first heat. Yeah, they were, but they they weren't. Yes, they won, but the fact that they were so happy to have won didn't kind of give the message of we're dominant and we're confident. I think um, that probably that will give them the confidence to go through to the final. Absolutely, but um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. I think that the men's eights is definitely kind of it's all out there with the with the Dutch and the US are really kind of stepping their game on. And um, so, yeah, I don't think it's going to be a German GB race as um, we've seen for, for the years gone by. But Dan, to end it, to end it on, a, on, a, on a positive note, uh, if there is one man who can help guide this, this, this GB men's eight, then it's, uh, then it's Steve Trapmore. He can, he can take these boys back onto the podium and into gold medal contention, can't he? Can't he? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, if you think back when Steve Trapmore won his Olympic gold medal in the men's eight, they lost their heat. They won it through the rep. Um, so, you know, he's, he's got experience of that and he won't be phased by that. And, and I know some of the crew have already said that they really mucked up the start because I think there was a problem with the, the start and there was a really long hold and, and they just scrambled off the start. But, you know, they've also put their hands up and said, well, it was the same for the other two crews. Um, so not really making excuses, but, uh, but, the, you know, I think they will take a certain amount of comfort in that they know they can beat the Dutch. You know, the Dutch have only beaten them once, you know, since 2019. So they know what their speed is and they know that they would have been in a, a better position to have beaten them. So, you know, whilst obviously they're going to be massively disappointed to have to go through the rep, 
I don't think they're going to be, it's not like we put our best performance out there and we still lost. You know, they're going to be like, you know, that was a rubbish row. That was probably one of our worst rows for, for a number of years. We know we just can get it, get it right in the rep, get it right in the final and, and still definitely be up there for, for the top honours. Well, fingers crossed and uh, we'll be uh, saying a prayer before the repechage for, for a few of our Great Britain crews in the days to come. So in tomorrow's debrief, we've got plenty more reps. We've got plenty more semi-final action to come. But for now, my thanks to Mark, to Heather and to Dan for joining us for the second instalment of the Olympic Breakfast Debriefs. And I hope you join us again tomorrow morning.